John chapter 3, amen, verse 16, which is a familiar passage of scripture. Amen. This is probably going to be one of the shortest sermons in history on today. Amen. I don't know. I ate something that is not dealing with my stomach well. Amen. So, quiet, I'm letting you know now. If I dip off to the left, you just pick up where you left off at on that last song. And you keep going till I come back out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So that the service can flow. Amen. <laughs> John chapter 3. Yeah, I'll stop laughing at the preacher. Amen. I'm just being honest. Amen. We don't want no natural disasters <laughs> on the platform. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible. And it reads this, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, unique son, so that whomever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have everlasting life. Let's read that all together, no matter what version of the Bible that you have. If you have King James or whatever, let's just read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world. Amen. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you for this time that we have, oh God, to come before you, Lord God, just to come before your presence, God, for truly you are a great God. Uh, you are a great king. You are a great ruler. And we thank you for just being who you are, Lord. Rest upon us now, Lord God, as we go into your word. Open up our hearts, our mind, and our ears, oh God, and our spirits that we may receive a word from you on today. And we ask all these things in your name we pray. And all the God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen. In the presence of the Lord. Amen. Today, we are going to start a series entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Come on, tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, what's love got to do with it? Come on, find another neighbor and ask him. Be, be, be real and sincere. Neighbor, what's love got to do with it? Find somebody behind you and ask them the same question. If you ain't got nobody behind you, look up front, look at me. Amen. Excellent. What's love got to do with it? Here in John chapter 3, Jesus has an interview uh, with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a Sanhedrin. Um, he is a part of the decision making of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. Nicodemus asks Jesus how he is able to do all the wonderful acts and perform all the many wondrous miracles that he does. Um, Nicodemus realizes he's amazed by the authority and the power that Jesus has. And he realizes, he realizes that he can only do what he does is because God is with him. Jesus simply explains to him that one must be born again. Nicodemus pondered this question, how can such an act take place unless one enters into his mother's womb again? Jesus tells him that a spiritual transformation has to take place where we repent of our sins and allow the Holy Spirit to reform and to make us over. 
Nicodemus asked such a great question. He said, listen, Jesus, how can such a thing happen? How can it happen? Do I have to go enter to my mother's womb again and come out again? Jesus said, no, you must be born again. He said, if you want to exit the kingdom of darkness, enter into the kingdom of light, you must be born again. And he tells him that the way that you can be able to be born again is if you allow the Holy Spirit to regenerate you, to allow the Holy Spirit to reform you, to have the, to allow the Holy Spirit to make you over into what he desires you to be, that you repent of your sins and turn away from the things of the flesh so that you can be able to rightfully walk into the kingdom of light. On down in the scripture, he talks about how Moses had raised a brass snake on the pole as a cure for a punishment for the children of Israel due to their uh, disobedience. And he says, so will Jesus have to be lifted up on the cross so that we can be able to focus on him and so that he can be able to cure us of our sins. Whenever we see the cross, it shouldn't just remind us of the death of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't just imagine him still hanging there on the cross. But whenever we see the cross, saints of God, it ought to remind us of the sacrifice of love that he shows us. It ought to remind us of the sacrifice of love that the cross represents, that Jesus was willing to give his own life for us. The Bible does not say that Jesus came for some, that he died for some, that he, that he died for the whites, that he died for the blacks, or that he died for those that were rich or died for those that were poor. But he said that he gave up his son to take on the sins of the world. That he died for each and every one of us. Saints of God, we have to come to the understanding that we realize that Jesus is trying to make a covenant relationship with you and I. Despite our character, despite our flaws, despite our ups and our downs, despite our personality differences, he desires to make a covenant relationship with us. Well, preacher, what are you talking about a covenant relationship? A covenant relationship is when two people come in agreement on a thing. And they come in agreement on the thing. But whenever there is a covenant relationship, there is always a sacrifice. There is always a sacrifice in any type of covenant relationship. It's not so much that you give your words and say that you love me because your words without action means nothing to me at all. You don't want to be involved with anybody. You don't want to be in a relationship with anybody that if they tell you they love you just to make you feel good. They tell you they love you just so that you can get so they can get you off their back. They tell you that they love you just to hush your mouth, but they show no action. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Love without action is the same way. There has to be some type of action that follows the words that you give out when you say, I love you. And so whenever we see the cross, whenever we see the cross, it ought to remind us of the covenant relationship that Jesus makes with you and I, that he is willing to sacrifice his, his life on behalf of us. But I got a question this morning, saints. What are you willing to sacrifice to show how much you love the Lord. God, this is not a hooping message. You're not going to run today, but you're going to think. What are you willing to give of yourself of so that your words can meet up with your, so that your words can meet up with your actions when you say that you love me and you really mean what you say? Because if we really love God, saints of God, it would be no problem with us following his commandments. If we really love God, it, will be, it won't be a problem for us to, as the scripture says, to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we really love the Lord, 
He won't have to beat us into following his will and following his commandments, but we will do them willingly. Why? Because we look at the cross and we are reminded of the sacrifice that he did for you and I. The Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you believe that? That even when you were out there doing your own thing, your own way, saying what you wanted to say, when you wanted to say it, how you wanted to say it, acting any old kind of way, living like unhandless children, Christ still died for you and I. That in the midst of our stuff, in the midst of our jacked up selves, he's yet still died for you and I. And he does not just say it with words, but he shows with actions when God gives up his only son. What a sacrifice. Think about that for a second. What a sacrifice God had to do on behalf of us. He didn't have ten kids. He didn't have five sons. He only had one. But he said, so that I can be able to save this world. I'm willing to give up what I have. I'm willing to give up my last. So that you and I can be able to have everlasting life. That's something to get excited about. Because the truth be told, we should have been on the cross ourselves. But he took our place instead. Thank God we're no longer under the law. In the Old Testament, when we had to bring goats and bulls and, and animals in here to sacrifice, this would, be, this would be a bloody place. Because 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there will be blood that will be shed here. But no longer do we have to do that. But Jesus died and paid everything in full. You say, well, preacher, what does love have to do with it? Love has everything to do with it because it's because of his love towards us that he became sin on our behalf. The Bible says that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane was an olive press where, 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 where olives were pressed through and they were made. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He looked in the cup and he said, God, if it be not your will, go ahead and let this cup pass. He said, but not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Jesus was pretty much saying, Lord, God, listen, Daddy, I really don't want to do this because I'm wrestling in my flesh. He said, but it's not about me. It's not about what I desire. It's not about what I want to do. But God, if it be your will, I'll do it. I will do it. Just so that we can show them just how much we love them. John chapter 3 verse 16 is probably one of those scriptures that we all learned in Sunday school. That we all memorized. And it's one of the, I believe that one of the sweetest verses in the Bible. It's a reassurance and the promise of God's unconditional love for us. It's a reassurance of what they call, uh, I believe it's in the Greek or the Hebrew, agape love, self-sacrificing, unconditional love that he displays towards you and I. It shows the protection and it shows the provision of our Heavenly Father that while we were yet in the midst of our stuff, that he looked out and saw what we would need in the future. And he was willing to give up his son. He shows us the true meaning of love. Because love now is the term that's just used so loosely. It's just used just to, just to be used. People say, I love you at the drop of a dime, but don't really mean it. People say, I love you just to make you feel good, just to make you hush up. But they really don't even know what love is. 
And people use this term and they use it and they use it, but soon their words and their actions don't work out together. But Jesus shows us the ultimate example of love. He shows us, listen, I'm not just going to preach to you one thing, but I'm going to walk out the type of love that I desire for you to have. He said, because I desire for you to be with me in heaven. He said, I desire for you to be safe. I desire to redeem you. I I desire to buy you back from the hands of the enemy. I desire to pay off the debt that you so rightfully deserve. But because because I love you so much, I will pay the debt instead. Can you imagine, listen, some of us, listen, we might be, you know, we got, we got a little debt in our own lives right now. We got some bills and all the different stuff. Can you imagine somebody coming up to you and giving you a check that clears every debt that you have? I don't know what would happen first if I would run, if I would shout. Or if I just pass out. I don't really know what will happen. I will be so overwhelmed with, I will be overwhelmed with excitement, overwhelmed with joy, that everything that I had, now my record is at zero. It's the same thing with the cross, saints of God, that whenever we look at the cross, it reminds us that every debt has been canceled. And now we can experience the new type of life, the God type of life. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy But he came that we may have life and have life more abundantly. We talk about the sacrifice, but sometimes it's so simple. But oftentimes we ignorantly overlook what God has already done. As we make petitions to him for other things that can never outdo the sacrifice of his son. Sometimes we overlook what the, what, what the cross means and what God has done and what Jesus has done. And we're always asking the Lord for more, for more, for more. But we neglect to realize what he's already done. When's the last time you sat there and you really thought about and you really thought about how messed up your life would be if God was not in your life? How messed up your life would be if Jesus had not saved you from the pit of hell? Because some of us were on our way to hell. But he reached down and he grabbed us just in the nick of time. And he said, listen, I didn't just die for a certain group of people, but I died for everybody. I even died for people that hadn't even acknowledged me yet. He said, but I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to take that chance. So that they can be able to experience the type of love that I have for them. Oh, have you ever thought sometimes about the love of Jesus? Well, you're just sitting there at home and you may be going through some things in your life and soon you start to forget about the things that you're going through and you begin to dwell on the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God and you start to think about the love of God and how God reached out and touched your body when he really should not have. But because of his love, he healed your mind, he healed your body, he kept you when you should have lost stuff, when your car should have been repossessed where your house should have been gone where you should have been evicted that God displayed his love towards you in spite of you that's why I love God so much because his love is unconditional oh I'm so glad God is not us because our love is conditional our love is fickle I love you if you're doing what I want you to do I'm with you 
if, you, if you're dancing to my music. I, I, I'm all right with you as long as you're doing everything that I want you to do. But as soon as you stop, my love stops. But thank God, God is not like us, but his love is unconditional. And even because he loves us so much, sometimes he has to chastise and discipline us. But he said, because I love you, I do it. If I didn't, he'd just be bastard children without a father. He said, but because I love you, I must discipline you. I must chastise you so that you can know that I love you. When we realize the covenant and the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us, it shows us the value and the investment that he has placed on the inside of us. When you realize just how much value you are to God, when you realize just what an investment God has made on the inside of you, your whole perspective of life will change. Because no longer are you worried about how people view you. What folks got to say about you. What folks will say. What they thought about you in the past. But all that matters is that I realize that listen. There is something on the inside of me. That God values so much. That he was willing to make a sacrifice on my behalf. And because he's willing to make that sacrifice. There has to be something greater in me on the inside. So as I go through my life. And I realize the love that God has displayed in my life. I must come to the realization that I am all that in a bag of chips. I must come to the realization that not only am I, the, not only am I all that in the bag of chips. But I'm the, I'm the potatoes that made the chip. When I realize how much God loves me, when I realize how much he has invested on the inside of me, you can't come up and just say any old thing to me. You can't come up and just treat me any kind of way because I'm God's child and I've been broke with the price. And we don't realize that because we don't understand what the cross means. We don't understand what the cross means. Oh, yeah. Some people still got Jesus on the cross. You see, and they had their cross. They still got him on the cross. No, he's off the cross. Thank you, Jesus. He's off the cross. I no longer have to worry about him being on the cross. He's off the cross, out the grave, and he's alive and well. And when I realize the love of God, I have some confidence, not in myself, but in the one that made me. Because God loves us. So much. The Bible says that he even knows the number of hair on our heads. Oh, he knows this. He knows it. He knows it all. That shows just how interested God is in our lives. That he knows the number of hairs on our head. He loved us so much that he was willing, willing to redeem us from the pits of hell. Where would your life be right now if you were not saved? Where would you be right now in life if God had not saved you? And let me just throw this tidbit in there. It blows my mind when believers, the blood-washed, redeemed saints of God, have the audacity to look down on somebody else. Look down on somebody else because they're not wearing the latest stuff, driving this, wearing, living in that. When it was only by the grace of God that you are a paycheck away from being out of your house. 
You're a paycheck away from being you're a paycheck away from being homeless, but you have the audacity to look down on somebody else. If it had not been for God saving you and washing you in his blood, you would still be strung out on drugs. You would still be an alcoholic. You'll still be out there. But it was grace that saved you. It was grace that saved you. When we realize the love of God and the payment that he paid for you and I, our perspective should change. Thought about something? Whenever you make an investment, let's talk about money-wise when you make an investment, then we're going to close on out. An investment is putting money into something with expectations of a profit. More specifically, investment is the commitment of money or capital to purchase a financial instruments or other assets so as to gain profitable returns in the form of interest, incomes or dividends, appreciation, capital gains of the value of the instrument. But here's the thing about investments. Investments come with the risk of the loss of the principal sum. The investment that has been thoroughly analyzed can be highly risky with respect to the investment owner because the possibility of losing money is not within the owner's control. So whenever you make an investment, you are investing your money into something and you are expecting that whatever it is I have invested, I'm expecting in the income for however long it is, I'm expecting a return on my investment. And sometimes it may be a risky investment that you take because you never know what the outcome is going to be. Jesus paid the biggest investment. When he invested into our lives, he invested into our hearts, he invested into our souls. And some of us, he took a risk. Some of us, he took a risk because it was not a guarantee that some of us would come and accept him as our Lord and Savior when he already died on the cross for us. So he took a big risk. I'm dying for some people that may never accept me as their Lord and Savior. But I'm willing to take this risk even if it makes no profit. I came to tell somebody today that Jesus has made the greatest investment in your life. That he gave up his only son on a hill called Calvary. And Jesus went there on the cross with you and I in mind. And he died for our sins. He paid our debts all in full. So no longer do we have to carry the burden of sin. No longer do we have to carry the burden of guilt from what we have done. But God says, I took a risk on you just to, talk, just to show you that I care so much. I'm willing to give it all to show you just how valuable you are. Just how precious you are. What's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. Because if it had not been for his love towards us, where would we be? Where would we be? And I know sometimes we go through, we go through certain things in life. 
And we feel like when things come up, we feel like God has forsaken us. We feel like God is turning his back on us. We feel like God is not there. We feel like God has forsaken us. I know I'm not the only one that feels like that sometimes. But we must always remember that he loves us. He loves us. And there's no place too deep that he can't grab us. Let a, parent, let a parent lose their child in Walmart. They would tear Walmart up. They would be on the intercom. They would, have, they would clear Walmart out until they find their child. Because their desire is to save them. And so it is with Jesus. He made the biggest investment into us. And all he asks is for our lives. There's a story of a young boy. Came time for offering. And the deacons came up and they had the offering baskets. And he had nothing to give. The preacher had been talking about salvation. The preacher had been talking about giving their all. And the deacons had the offering placed on the communion table, on the offering table. And the young boy comes down and he places himself in their offering basket. And the deacons laugh and joke and say, boy, get out of the basket. He said, what are you doing? He said, the preacher said, come and give God my all. He said, so I have nothing else to give but myself. God is saying to you today, I made the greatest sacrifice of my son. And in return on my investment, I want your life. I want your heart. I want your mind. I want your body. And I don't care what others have told you because I'm the one that made you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made in my image, in my eyesight. So to me, you're the bomb.com. And it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what they say. But to me, you are a precious and a rare jewel. And all I want is your life. All I desire is your life so that I can mold you and shape you into what I will have you to be. there's anyone in this place that you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as the ministers and elders are coming now